This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This should be played at high volume, preferably in a residential area. Hey everyone, welcome back to Top Rope Nation. Uh, if you've never listened to the show, we usually put on a podcast every Wednesday or Thursday. It's a weekly show, uh, but this is our first time doing a live webcast here on YouTube. So with that being said, I'm Ryan Drosty, editor-in-chief of TopRopePress.com, and I am joined here by our lead news writer, Mr. Kyle Ross, and it's... Uh, us two that host the show weekly. We thought Survivor Series, a lot of fan interest. This would be a good, good time to try our hand here at a, a live webcast. So, uh, Kyle, what did you think of the show tonight? Just offhand, were you were you impressed? We got a lot to talk about. What are you thinking here? I don't know what I'm thinking. Actually, I'm still trying to process what I just saw in that main event. Um, I texted you and I texted some other people. Uh, when we're watching, it was either the best or worst finish in WWE pay-per-view history. Definitely nothing either. Definitely nothing in between. And I can't figure out, though, if it was the best or worst yet. I suppose it all depends on where they go. Yeah, I uh, yeah, Kyle and I were From texting here. during the show, and uh, that was quite the finish. Uh, we're, of course, talking about Goldberg and Lesnar. A lot to discuss there. I guess we might as well just start off with Goldberg and Lesnar. Yeah. So uh, I'd like to. So you said it was either the best or the worst finish in pay-per-view history. I'm going to lean towards the worst. Uh, I thought personally, it was a massively blown opportunity. Um, if you look at it from the perspective of they've had Brock Lesnar now for several years back in the WWE, and uh, he's basically destroyed everyone, right? Yep. So a win over Brock should mean something huge. So they bring back a guy who is nearly 50 years old and he just utterly destroys him. Brock gets virtually no offense other than throwing him into the corner at the beginning. And a couple spears, jackhammer, we're finished. Yeah. What, what I, was I your I, I was going to say, sorry, I, I saw on Twitter that the Goldberg, there was a Goldberg Jerry Flynn match that lasted longer than that. <laughs> what we saw tonight so good old not, jerry flynn back on wrestling twitter not surprising yeah that um, was uh it was brief very brief and you yeah, would have thought i mean this show went off the air what 30 minutes early that's okay though like nobody wanted this show to go four hours i don't think yeah but you were and expecting a longer match going in yeah well all right you outlined correctly the worst case scenario and i would agree with that like if you were a 
glass is half empty person. Um, you hit the nail on the head that you you had Lesnar. Now he's been what four and a half years? He's been back. It was 2012, right? He's crushed. Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean he's crushed. So they kind of like were they didn't know what to do with them that first year. That first year almost was kind of like a waste, to be honest, which is a different problem. But, you know, since that time, he'd beaten Punk, he'd beaten up, he'd snapped the streak, which is something I want to touch on. Um, squashed Cena, and then this year, um, he squashed Ambrose, squashed Orton, all full-time guys. And then, yeah, to have another part-timer squash him, there's only two ways you can go with this now. Either they do a rematch, Goldberg and Lesnar, and I don't know how appealing that is after you have a babyface win in under two minutes. Like, that sort of violates, you know, wrestling logic. You know, most, and that's not to say they won't do it, um, but, you know, usually when a babyface wins a match in 90 seconds, that's kind of it. Like, there's, you know, there's really not a desire by the public to see a rematch, I don't think. Um, or this is it for Brock Lesnar, right? It's got to be one or the other. It's either that they do a rematch or it's over. And Brock Lesnar's, I don't know, just doesn't want to do this anymore. And they just decided, well, screw you. You're done. And this is how we're going to get rid of you. So you got to wonder if this was, do you think Brock demanded he went in that fashion in order to do the match? Like complete dominant fashion. Do you think, or I mean, sorry, uh, Goldberg. I was going to say, well, (laughs) what a team player Brock would be then. Yeah. um, No, I don't think so. I mean, that'd be pretty ballsy. And they don't, they wouldn't have to um, agree to those terms by any means. I I don't know. I, again, it's funny because I think the only, real comparison you have to this is Lesnar beating Undertaker at Mania, which if you go back and analyze that, I always thought they overcompensated for some poor storytelling when they had Lesnar win that match because Mm -hmm. no one bought him having any chance of winning, kind of like Goldberg here. And the follow-up right after that was okay with Lesnar, but really, and we've talked about this on the show before, I don't know what Brock Lesnar means in 2016 WWE. Like, I don't think he's as great as some people make him out to be. If you look at the metrics, he's not a huge mover. Necessarily. I mean, this show sold out before they announced this match, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's not like Goldberg and Lesnar drew the house. So um, I just think that, um, you know, Again, it's either going to be a rematch or Goldberg has supplanted Lesnar in the special attraction role. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, I think Brock, he peaked two, three years ago and he's steadily becoming, you know, not as big of a deal as he had been. That's that's a fair statement. And he's, um, he's repetitive. Yeah, his matches really are not that exciting like they were when he first came back. I mean, everyone was into the German suplexes over and over and over, and it was awesome at first. But when that's every match the guys had for three, four years, it's uh, yeah. I don't, I can't personally say I look forward to the Brock matches anymore. But I was looking forward to him strongly putting someone over, and I didn't expect it to be a nearly fifty-year-old Bill Goldberg. That's for sure. No, no, and you make a good point. I mean, we've talked about on this before. Uh, on the show before that, you know, 
the golden goose that is the job that, you know, that, that is beating Brock Lesnar, I should say, um, should have probably gone to a, a full-timer, I think. Yeah, I mean, the whole idea behind um, Brock beating Taker and ending the streak is wrestling logic would dictate that then down the road, Brock put someone over to give them the rub from him getting the rub from Taker. I mean, was it a mistake? I mean, certainly it looks like it now in retrospect to have Lesnar be the one who breaks the streak because you could make the same argument that we're making right now about um, Goldberg being the one to beat Lesnar. You could make that same exact argument way back when of having Lesnar be the guy to snap the WrestleMania streak. I I think the argument applies in both situations. I really do because though Lesnar had not been booked to the best of his capabilities up to WrestleMania 30, um, he was an established guy, and he was a guy you could argue. He was probably the one guy in the roster. I know Vince did that thing with Austin where he's like, oh, well, I can't think of anyone better than Brock Lesnar to get that win. And I kind of was like, eh, I don't know if I could think of anyone who needed it less. Mm-hmm. To be quite blunt, right? I mean... Yeah, he didn't need I, it. I don't know. I, I, don't, I kind I of know. view that as a mistake in retrospect right now. And um, I don't know. I, I just don't know if Brock Lesnar, him beating, I don't know if the bump he supposedly got from beating The Undertaker is what people make it out to be. I think it may just be a bad, it was a bad decision in retrospect. Yeah, at the time, I didn't mind it. Because if you're thinking in realistic terms, who's the guy that could beat The ta- Undertaker? It'd be... It'd be Brock Lesnar. Um, but looking back now, they haven't really followed through on it in a way that I thought they would. So, yeah, you can, you can make the argument it was a mistake. Um, I don't think it's a, it's a good correlation, though, because when Lesnar beat Taker, you knew Lesnar was around. I mean, he, was, he wasn't working every week or anything, but he had a certain amount of matches every year. And that Goldberg, he's, for all we know, he's done. Now, I think he's probably wrestling. I don't think so. I know. There's no way. Goldberg is not done. Yeah, he's no for sure way. wrestling at WrestleMania. I, yeah. I would be shocked if he didn't. Yeah, there's no. Yeah, I mean, that that if there is one thing I absolutely know right now after that match, and there's not a lot I do know, but what one thing I can tell you is um, th- there's zero chance that Bill Goldberg's not wrestling again. Zero. Yeah. I mean, if if they're keeping Lesnar around and not, and that's it for Goldberg. That that would be the worst. And then it, that is the worst decision I've ever seen in pay per view history. But well, there's, there's just no way that's the case. No, there's no way that he's winning the match if he's not sticking around for another match. Like yeah. you said, zero chance. When he hit the jackhammer, and you're watching that live, were you like, "Oh my god, I think this is it"? <laughs> that's a good question. I thought at the time I did think Brock would kick out. Okay, because I did because I was like, "Holy." Shit, he, 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 I'm like, he just hit it. I'm like, this is over. I'm like, they're not going to kill his finisher like 30 seconds, 90 seconds of this match, are they? And <laughs> I was like, I, I'm like, oh my God, this thing's over. Yeah. And I, I thought, I thought it was, I thought it was going to keep going. I didn't think it was over, but I, I was shocked. Uh, I probably looked like that kid at WrestleMania 30 when the streak was ended. I was picking my job off the floor. I don't have a problem with them doing something unique at all as a matter of fact i kind of like it like if you just kind of look at it at a macro level um the idea of you know some people like oh you know wwe main events they have to be 20 minutes i don't like that rule i don't subscribe to that line of thinking at all 
quite frankly. I just don't. Like, I, I actually think, you know, if I can be like an old school, it's still real to me, damn it, guy. You know, I, I kind of actually hate, you know, how every WWE main event has to kind of follow a familiar pattern. And, and following a match that, by the way, went 52 minutes, um, you didn't want them out there that long, I don't think. No, but maybe longer. Than, well, how long was that match? Two minutes? Uh, 90, it was 86 seconds, I believe. 126 is, is your official time. <laughs> wow, you would think at least five to ten minutes, but my God, as much as they hype this match for weeks and weeks and weeks. I would be interested in he- hearing from people who specifically ordered this show for that match what their thoughts are. Because if, if those people are happy with it, then whatever. People there are, quite frankly, that ordered this show specifically for this match. And we've talked about it before. The number of casual viewers WWE has is at its all-time low. Yeah. So I don't think there's a ton of people. Yeah, I, I, but there probably are some people out there. And if this was your main point of interest in a show, I would love to hear from people. Um, how, you know, their overall level of satisfaction for Survivor Series that you know, they're the match they were looking most forward to lasted 86 seconds. Well, I do have to come clean on something. So we've been talking about this match for weeks on the Top Rope Nation podcast. And I was pretty vocal that I thought Goldberg would get booed by the Toronto crowd. Oh, I'll admit that that did not seem to happen. So I'll admit I was wrong. Although I do have to say, Kyle, when I was watching his entrance, I was wondering if some of those chants were piped in. Because every time they showed the crowd, I didn't see anyone chanting Goldberg. Oh, here we go. But it was loud. And this, no, I mean, no doubt he was getting cheered. He got no, cheered. no, he was. Yeah. It was a unique crowd all night. Like, I think a lot of people, at least maybe not a lot of people, but I know I was. I was thinking, oh, okay, this Toronto crowd, it's going to be, you know, kind of one of the big storylines of the show. You know, are they going to go into business for themselves? And that can be annoying sometimes. Um, but they really didn't. I thought it was kind of a docile crowd all night. I was almost disappointed in them. You know, like I hate sometimes when like they start, you know, like there's nothing worse than when people chant Randy Savage in a cruiserweight match. Like that's just the worst or CM Punk in a cruiserweight match. Like that's just, you know, just a look at me kind of thing from the crowd. But, you know, this crowd, I was kind of shocked by just how docile they were the whole time. Yeah. Compared with the NXT event last night they were more reserved and you think it'd be you know about the same about the same people for sure at each show but um i don't i don't know the the nxt show you haven't seen it yet i don't think kyle no i haven't unfortunately i was traveling and i i missed it i know what it was unbelievable show top to bottom um i think you could make the argument that that was possibly the best takeover event they've ever had wow yeah, top to bottom, it was it was unbelievable. Um, okay, I, I grading the show. I tweeted out my match ratings on our Twitter account afterwards. That was uh, I didn't have anything under three stars. Um, best match, by the way. We've also been talking about um, on our podcast lately. We've been talking what's going to be the match of the weekend, right? And what do we both agree on that would be the match of the weekend? We said the, the tag title match at NXT. Yeah, and it was yeah. That was the match of the weekend, no doubt about it. Um, I was, I was like four and a quarter, four and a half stars on that match. Uh, no, Nick I was I'd into it, top to bottom, the whole NXT show. Yeah, I'd heard it was great. Like, I can't wait to watch that. Quite frankly, I'm gonna hopefully 
blow through that tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon. But uh, yeah, this was just, um, I don't know. It just, I don't know what it says that the crowd just kind of seemed fairly lethargic. I don't know if that's an indictment of the creative building up to the show or if it's just kind of like the nature of the show itself. You know, we touched on this when we talked about Survivor Series history, these elimination matches sometimes as a gimmick. Mm, there's a reason Survivor Series has always been relegated to the fourth of the big four. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you can tell good stories in these elimination matches, but more often than not, WWE doesn't. And I thought the first two, um, I shouldn't say, the, the tag match, I'm not as high on it as somewhere. I thought when it got down to Cesaro and Sheamus versus the Usos, it was good. I thought the women's match was absolutely atrocious. Like one of the worst elimination matches I've seen in 30-year history of Survivor Series. I'm not even trying to be prone to hyperbole here. I thought it was one of the worst pieces of crap elimination matches I've ever seen. It was just such, it was every bad crutch that the creative falls up, you know, leans on with these elimination matches through history. Mm-hmm. They used in like 20 awful minutes in that. And we can touch on that later, but... um. Yeah, I don't know. The crowd wasn't really that into it, but they were into the main event, I thought, uh, for sure. And um, it, it, it's just, it's all about where they go from there. I mean, if they have something cool with Goldberg, um, then more power to them. Maybe it works. I mean, do you want to see a rematch? Personally, no. Okay. No. I mean, yeah. I mean, usually, like I said, you know, just taking the names out of the equation. If a baby face wins in that manner, usually you don't do a rematch. Right. Because the crowd's like, why do I want to see that? I don't know. Unless if they do like, do you think they do something like awful, like, like Lesnar, like F5's Goldberg shirtless son or something like that? <laughs> I was wondering why his son got in the ring without a shirt on. That was kind of awkward. Yeah, I know. Is that is that allowed? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you're allowed to take your shirts off at WWE shows, right? <laughs> I'm but, pretty sure I've seen it at a show or two. Okay, yeah. Do you think they go that route, like some like cheap heat route for a rematch? Because that's the only thing they can do, right? Yeah, I yeah, I don't know how you Gold- draw the fans in. Yeah, because why would Goldberg? I mean, the whole thing was, um, you know, oh well, Goldberg, you know, beat Lesnar before, so, um, and it was kind of actually, to be honest with you, the premise of this match was kind of silly. Yeah, like why would Goldberg <laughs> come back? for one more match against the guy he beat. Yeah. You know, like it should have been like Lesnar goading him back in. And that really wasn't it. Like they had Heyman do that interview where he challenged him and like Goldberg's like, okay, you know, I kind of want to wrestle for my son, but it wasn't the most perfect story told by any means. So, um, and the idea that, Goldberg just sort of replaces Lesnar as the guy who does the big job to a guy on the full-time roster. That seems odd. Unless if Brock Lesnar just doesn't want to be in WWE anymore. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, the finish is absolutely justifiable if Brock Lesnar's leaving and doesn't want to be in WWE anymore. That's the one way you absolutely justify what we saw tonight. Yeah. Without hesitation. So... Booking-wise, um, if we want to drop some bombs on here, you guys, uh, from what we've heard, uh, this finish was totally a Vince call to have um, Goldberg go over in this fashion. So take that 
as you see fit. But um, yeah, that that's that's the word word on the street. That's what we heard right before uh, going on the air. Yeah. Um, so, and that should be a surprise. It's not like any writer is going to pitch that. I mean, I, I no. think anyone can deduce that. You know, no one's going to walk into that room and tell Vince, you know, what we should do main event tonight. Lesnar jobs, eighty six seconds. <laughs> I mean, that's a guy with that's a guy with a lot of job security. If he recommends that, yeah. if he walks, does it? I mean, and, and when you talk about the time, I mean, Vince signs off on everything. It's kind of funny that like, you know, um, people have this notion now that you know Vince is just like not like he doesn't have anything to do with the SmackDown because it's better. That's not true. I, I don't know if he, you know, just gives that creative team more leeway if he just likes them more or what, or just more com- comfortable in what they do on a weekly basis, but I mean, he, he ultimately signs off on everything. I mean, there's nothing that you saw tonight or you'll see tomorrow or Tuesday that Vince McMahon doesn't sign off on. Yeah. Well, speaking of Vince, one of the things that ran through my mind. Um, so in the brand split in the past, what we saw was that we typically always got raw with the upper hand, right? Raw was always the number one show, SmackDown, the number two show. And that's one of the reasons why the brand split didn't really work in the past. And as we got towards that single Survivor Series main event match right before Goldberg and and Brock, um, Rod basically got the upper hand in nearly every match other than what the Miz match. Yeah. And I was, you know, I was surprised by how many people didn't think it was obvious SmackDown was going to win that match, the singles match, the, the big elimination match. And by that and then, time, God, you would have thought it, they had to because they lost pretty much everything else. Yeah, I mean, w- whether you thought it was a good idea or not, it was basically a position where they had to. But I, I was pretty confident they were going to, like, to your point, you know, Raw has always been Vince's baby. There's no way you're going to have one brand sweep every elimination match. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and even, you know, I mean even if Vince hated SmackDown, he's not going to do that. I mean, what's the point of even having a brand extension then? Mm-hmm. So. Well, that's why I was kind of surprised that the first two elimination matches, you had Raw win both of them because it kind of took away um, all the drama, I thought. Because like you said, it was obvious there's no way Raw was going to win every single one. And since they had won the first two, there wasn't, to me, watching it at least logically, there wasn't much drama. You knew that, um, you knew that SmackDown was winning that match. Yeah, so You could say the same about the Cruiserweight match too, by the way. Yeah. After the Intercontinental result was in. Um, yeah, you know, it was funny. Every, I actually predicted the, if, if I remember from our prediction show on Wednesday, I, I think I went three for three on which brand would win the elimination match. So I didn't get any, I didn't make any of the right picks who would win. But um, I think I called the brands. I, I was, you know, a lot of people when Raw won the women's, everyone's, oh, well, SmackDown win the tag team now. And, you know, I think I told you on Wednesday, I'm like, I don't see any of the SmackDown teams really being viable enough to win that in that situation. Yeah. Yeah. You called that. Yeah. But at, yeah, at the same time, who would have thought that American Alpha would come out with so little heat? Let's talk about that match. Let's talk about the tag team match. So we're jumping Are you concerned officially about them? Because you know what? It's not on WWE with American Alpha. The crowd is just not into them. Yeah. Like they can't, they had them come out last. They had the announcers constantly plug. Oh, this American, you know, they had the raw announcers. I even have it. I lots of notes here, by the way. And I had it in here. I think it was Corey Graves as I dropped said notes. 
But yeah, Corey Graves was like really putting over American Alpha. He's like, oh, as a as a raw guy, I'm really smear, scared of what this American Alpha can do to our side. So like they're actually trying to get American Alpha over, and it's not working. Yeah, are you concerned it's, about I, that? I just personally, yeah, I would be concerned. I think it's uh, it has to do with the fact that they've waited too long with them. I think the. The whole thing they've done with Rhino and Heath Slater has gone way, way, way too long. I agree with that. You and yeah. you and I remember when they'd done the tag tournament, if anyone's listening to us for the first time, we were big on, you know, they're kind of jamming two storylines into this one situation, the tag tournament, where, um, you know, the tag title division should have been all about, you know, I think in our, I think we agreed, Usos winning, American Alpha chasing. And then he Slater, which was a good storyline, he could have been on his own. Like, as much as the Slater and Rhino act is over, they really haven't done anything since winning the titles. Yeah, I honestly you know, thought when it happened, this was going to be like a uh, like a couple week title reign. Yeah, I mean, I I would rather see. To be honest with you, I would have rather seen Slater as a single in the Ziggler role feuding with Miz. Yeah. I think I've said that before, but yeah, the, it, it, it's funny that I talk about that. Eh, Alpha's not kind of over, but they were kind of getting over in the match, but then they got eliminated right after that. I mean, let, let's go through that. Want, want to start? I mean, I guess it's kind of a, it was, it was a middle of the show match, but let's just go through that. I mean, the tag um, match. Yeah. Uh, New Day going out right towards the beginning, right? How shocked were you? Yeah, which was that one. It's something you can do because um you know they don't lose anything by it at all. I mean you can just rehab them real quick and uh, it just it just isn't a big deal. You know, I mean they try to make it into a big deal. Um and it was surprising, but I think a couple weeks from now no one remembers it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know what the deal was with New Day. They're breaking Demolition's record. So I think this was just kind of an opportunity to do shock booking. And really, this whole show was kind of all about just catching people off guard instead of telling coherent stories that fit into a larger framework, I think. Yeah. Which is where I had a problem with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the old crutches, like I said, the other match they relied on here. So in this tag team match, this was amazing. If you got the elimination in the tag team match, you were the next team out almost every time. I've got the order of elimination here. First of all, I'm going to say something that may be unpopular. Go ahead. But damn it, I believe it. I think Brazango is absolutely tremendous in this new gimmick with these, <laughs> with these uh, issuing tickets for these uh, fashion violations. When, when, when uh, Fandango came out and started throwing those tickets, I, I thought that was great. But uh, they got eliminated like in the first minute. And then, as you mentioned, it was the Usos who pinned the New Day and the Shocker. Um, and then Anderson and Gallows pinned the Hype Bros. Um, Alpha pinned the Shining Stars. And then this, this is where, uh, watch this pattern. Anderson and Gallows pinned Alpha, which was odd, I thought, because Alpha was starting to get over at that point. Yeah, that's, that's and, what I was going to go to. Why, why on earth were they the ones to pin Alpha? That shocked me. Well, it's so odd what they're doing with Anderson and Gallows, and we've mentioned this that they lost the tag title program, which 
you know, not to sound like I'm 80 years old, but like in the old days, once you lost like a tag title program, you were pretty much done. Like you were just going to do your jobs, lose to everybody and leave the promotion. Well, like it seems like after they've lost the tag title program to New Day, they're like rehabbing Anderson and Gallows. Which That's is so the exact odd. term I would use rehab for yeah. sure. And um, but just as we say that Gallows got pinned by Rhino clean right after that, uh, then Enzo pinned Rhino. Then Jey Uso pinned Enzo. You mm-hmm. sensing the pattern here? Yeah. And then we did get uh, what I thought um, was a really good segment between Cesaro and Sheamus and the Usos. You know, kind of a pairing that we hadn't seen because the brand split. We probably won't see again. It was, it was very random, but it was very good. Yeah. When, you, when it was down to those two, I thought. Were you thinking the Usos were going to win? Because I was. I could see it going either way. So the story there, t- so obviously Cesaro and Sheamus, they go over. I mean, assuming you've watched Survivor Series, but we should let people know. So Cesaro and Sheamus go over, um, and it was to set up a tag title match now they're getting with New Day. And I think it's on Raw tomorrow night. Yeah. And again, here's my point to the New Day elimination, why it's so pointless early match. New Day's going to win tomorrow, or they're not losing the titles, I should say. Yeah, they're closing because they're record. breaking demolition record. Yeah. Yeah. So um, there was actually something interesting. Somebody pointed out on Twitter when I was watching the match that the Usos kind of disappeared from the match. Did you notice that? Yeah, like a little five bit. Five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if they were just laying outside. And I thought they were pulling the old Jimmy Hart gimmick where they were just like under the ring and they were going to steal the match at the end. But then they just sort of showed up. Yeah. Which was weird. I guess I looked at it when it got down to those two teams is I'm thinking someone's got to win that's going to be together long term. And everyone knows this Cesaro Sheamus thing's not not going to last. So I was shocked that out of all 10 of those teams, they were the, the sole surviving team. Yeah, I picked, I think, New Day and Enzo and Cass to be the survivors just as a thing to send the crowd, you know, make the crowd happy. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, had a, I had Alpha, so I was way off. <laughs> well, you know, for a while, I thought, well, for about halfway through the match when Alpha, when the announcers were putting them over and they kind of started getting over when they got their one elimination, I was like, okay, Ryan might be right here. Maybe they are going to push Alpha, especially when New Day was out of the picture early. But, um. Yeah, it was kind of odd. But we talked about this when we previewed the uh, show. It really just didn't matter who wins this match. Unless yeah. if I guess they really are going the distance with she- Sheamus and Cesaro. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe they do have them snap the streak. Um, is Roadblock before or after the demolition record? Did we figure this out yet? <sighs> I, thought, I thought we mentioned it on the show a couple weeks ago. Like when, when exactly they would pass the record. I thought... Oh. Is it, I was thinking it was a television show where they would pass them. Like it was a week show, almost landed right on the day. And okay. I think, uh, I think Roadblock might be after, but I'm not positive. Okay. If Road, well, you know, and again, it, wouldn't it be so bad if like they beat the streak and then they lose it right after? What a pointless yeah. thing that would be. <laughs> but yeah. um, we'll, we'll see. But, you know, the, this whole match was to set up. I mean, I guess there was a point to it after all, and it was to, you know, reestablish Cesaro and Sheamus as the number one contenders um, on the Raw brand for the tag titles. I don't know what you're doing right now with the SmackDown tag title picture at all. Mm-hmm. Because Slater and Rhino just kind of got pinned in the middle of a match. Uh, you know, Usos kind of look strong in this, but not really. Yeah. Alpha, you know, I don't know how much they got out of this. And then, you know, the rest of the division is kind of 
you know, opening match fodder. So okay, I don't know what at, you're doing on that brand. Well, if you look at the NXT show, you could think that revivals could be coming up. Possibly they send them to SmackDown. Yeah, that is true. And I would like that. Yeah. Fresh. The revival up. is better than any tag team on SmackDown right now, including yeah. American Alpha. Thank you very much. Yeah, for sure. So the revival may be the best tag team um, in the world right now. Is that fair? Mike, is that a hot take? <laughs> it's a hot take. A bit of a hot take? I, I would agree with that. The other, I mean, the Young Bucks would probably have something to say about it. Okay. I like the Young yeah, Bucks too, but yeah, you know, they're, uh, yeah, Revival to me has been the tag team of the year. Yeah, I mean, I, it, it's kind of funny. You know, we were talking about American Alpha. Are you concerned about how not over they are? It makes you wonder how much of them being over was working with Revival. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. And, you know, to get Gargano and Ciampa, by the way, deserve, by the way, some discussion. Oh, they're great. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, I, they're, I, don't, they're I don't put them quite on, on that level, though, as uh, okay. like the Bucks and, uh, and Revival. But yeah, they're, they're on their way. I think I, I see them, though, splitting up before they really hit their stride. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's still a story to be told down there in NXT. But um, what did you think overall of the tag match? I thought it was good. I, some people were really praising it. I think Meltzer used the term super to describe the match. I thought that was a little strong. I, I thought because of the closing sequence, it was good. But I, I just think it was up until it just came down to Usos and Cesar and Sheamus, I didn't care at all what I was watching. It was just trading eliminations. Like one team would get a win and then they'd lose. It yeah. was just totally pointless. I felt like it was kind of, it was decent I, if i was given it a rating the, the old star ratings i'd probably say like three and a quarter three and a half it was a solid match but it wasn't anything that i was super excited about watching three and a half just seems like i saw a lot about that and that seems just a little high i don't know yeah it was, it was a solidly worked match it just didn't How have long much excitement. Did that match go i should look that up yeah i'm not sure I'm not yeah, sure but, but like you know i mean i just think that you know two-thirds of it just had didn't hold my interest I will say, like with the finish, I was shocked at who won. And I thought a lot, like we've been saying, I thought a lot of eliminations were questionable. Um, but I did like, I felt a little bit better about it when they announced that uh, they'd get the tag team title match on Raw. Yeah. And this is our Sheamus with them. Like, well, at least there's some direction out yeah, of this. And, and similarly, let's just talk about the women's match, which opened the show. I would have had the tag teams open the show, by the way, not the women. That's just mm-hmm. me. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that makes this show significantly better or not but you know if i was laying out the show that's the way i would have done it um the story with the women's match wound up being setting up a future title program on the raw brand as well with bailey and charlotte that we all knew was coming and this just sort of reinforced it yeah um i mentioned it earlier i I was pretty critical of this match i thought it absolutely sucked maybe one of the worst women's matches since the quote-unquote women's revolution began yeah, it was last year. I I thought it was just a hot mess, man. There was no stories being told. All of them were off. There were a couple blown spots, scratching booking decisions in this thing. I mean, do, do we need to go through the hit list? Uh, you know, <laughs> might as well. Yeah, it the, was... the Nikki injury angle just came across so phony. I thought. I'm guessing that it's going to be Natty that did yeah. it. Your thoughts? Although, like, the way Carmella was acting, she was kind of like, oh, gee, I wonder who did this. You know, and she was kind of trying to make you seem like it was her. Mm-hmm. 
And so if it's not, the way she was reacting was kind of weird. And it like looked like Alexa Bliss was kind of like being facetious about it too. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, some people are like, oh, it's kind of good. You know, you don't know who did it. But, you know, to play bad cop, I'm like, I don't know if I really care. <laughs> My, <laughs> Which I texted you right when it happened. I was like, was that even Nikki there? Like, it didn't look oh. like her. It didn't look like her hair. You never really saw her face. I'm not sure that was even her. So she might have just had the weekend off. But it made sense because, of course, think you, went, you would want Natalia in the match. It's in Canada. Um, but, yeah, they're they're clearly going somewhere with, I think, Natalia being involved. Yeah, you know, because she was like, oh, you know, oh, you know, I hate this because. You know, from her, she's like, oh, you know, I know I'm supposed to be the coach, but I'm here and you guys need somebody. So, yeah, um, it's an angle that I don't think really. OK, maybe get a little mileage out of it on TV because you got a two hour program every week and a division of seven, six or seven women. But, you know, a few months from now, no one's going to remember this. So they had Nikki out of the match and Natalia replaced her. <clears throat> Carmella is not the finest worker of all time, but I was stunned she was out first in this thing. Pinned by Alicia Fox. Yeah, that tells you where uh, she is at the, on the totem pole in the women's I mean, come on, Carmella deserved better than this, <laughs> didn't she? I mean, she's been involved in a legitimate program that hasn't really been blown off on TV. I was just shocked by that. It made no sense. By the way, that elimination came six minutes into the match, or roughly what four times as long as the uh, Goldberg Lesnar match. Yes. Well, there we go. Yeah, and then especially what made it look even weirder is. Alicia Fox was pinned right after by Alexa Bliss. They did this in the tag team match too, which I hate when they do that. When like they go a long time between eliminations and then they go two in a row, bang, bang. Mm -hmm. That's just poor pacing. In my opinion, when we get to the men's match, they did a much better job of the pacing. Of course they gave them all the time in the world, but whatever. Um, They only gave the girls like, or the women like short, a little bit longer than 20 minutes. That's, that's just too short to do an elimination match. I'm sorry. When you're doing yeah. eight eliminations in 20 minutes, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's another one that just absolutely left my jaw on the floor. You talk about qu- questionable booking decisions. We're protecting Naomi? <laughs> you got counted out? <sighs> like, and especially given what they did with Nia Jax later, you know, what? They didn't have Nia Jax just squash her. And Naomi? What are we saving her for? <laughs> Naomi? Uh, this is this is kind of unrelated note, but I might forget about this if I don't throw it out here right now. So last night I was live tweeting the NXT show and I said Nakamura has by far the best entrance in pro wrestling right now in WWE. And I instantly got replies that said, No way. Balor and Naomi. And I was like, one of these is not like the other. <laughs> it's like I'll give you Balor. But I'm Naomi's entrance, what? <laughs> I'm not saying that Naomi's entrance is bad. It's probably the best thing about her act. I mean, it's <laughs> the act certainly cools off when the entrance is over. But like, I think to have a good entrance, you have to be, you have to be at a certain level of star. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Is yeah. what, what makes a great entrance? It's the entrance and the crowd reaction, and, and that's what I responded back to the person. I was like, well, the crowd reaction part's probably not quite at the level of a Nakamura or a Finn Balor entrance. Um, so yeah, she was protected. That that was uh, a I was just like, what Naomi like because you know the, we discussed this a little bit when we talked about the early Survivor Series. They started going to like count out finishes just to protect people way too much, and yeah. it was like people who like didn't really need to be protected at the time. Like I just cannot think of 
anyone on this roster who needs to be protected any less than Naomi. <laughs> Except they, uh, Natty, uh, here's another uh, of our favorite Survivor Series finishes, a roll-up. Natty rolling up Sasha just mid-match. Sasha, yeah. who did she piss off this week? That was that was kind of the start of all the questionable decisions tonight. That was that was one of the first ones that made me kind of roll my eyes. Like, what's going on here? Well, I know why they did it, but I don't agree with it. They did it because they're they're trying to clear the deck, I think, for Bailey to be the number one baby face on the brand. Yeah. yeah. And so I guess they just want to forget about her competition and have her out early. Yeah, um, I see that. But yeah, we've talked about this before. It, it's a crowded place on top in the Raw Women's Division. With the as long as you have both Bailey and Sasha on the babyface side, and they don't really know which one to go with right now. You know, before it seemed like they were going with Sasha. Now it seems like they're going with Bailey. Um, you know, if you keep, I just don't know what you do with the one who's not in the title program because, you know, I guess just, you know, have them just kind of be whatever and over there would you know at a certain level and they trade wins with the rest of the division so i guess that's where sasha's at it's probably too bad um well, natty's out back i think they better go full steam ahead with bailey or what you're gonna have is the same kind of thing as what's happened to alpha in the tag division on smackdown they've waited way too long with bailey and uh sasha we've talked about on the show she needs to be a heel anyways so yes. hopefully they I'm go full you. steam ahead um you know we, we should point this out they're going back um, to Dana Brooke with Charlotte now, you know, after a couple of weeks where they just sort of seemingly dropped that. Yeah. I am still, you know, for a while I thought we were over this, but I'm scared again that they're going with Charlotte and Dana as the long, as the big WrestleMania program in the Raw Women's Division. I'm still scared about that. For those of you they, that don't listen to our podcast weekly, <laughs> Kyle has been predicting this for weeks, if not months, that they they still think Dana's going to be the top face of that women's division. And her and her and Charlotte, they think that's the money match. So we'll see. Because you can't stretch Charlotte Bailey out to WrestleMania, can you? No. I Probably be, it could be a big Rumble match. You could do some kind of tag match um, at the next at the December show. Well, and I mean... Then, uh, I don't even know if you can do that. Like, I mean, I think you can stretch it out. Certainly okay, not WrestleMania. You have to because yeah. you know. Um, I, I think if we learned one thing tonight, it's that if the women's division and the tag team division weren't split up onto brands, they'd actually be pretty strong. Oh yeah, especially but, yeah, tag division, big time. But yeah, but when you split them up, they're kind of like, eh, you know, they're okay. But yeah, they they both be really strong if you just had one of them. But um, the way it is is you know it's just I don't know I guess. But, but then who knows? Maybe not all as many of them would be over if, if you didn't have a brand split. But Charlotte went uh, beat Natty next. Um, so right after Natty started getting over, they eliminated her. Then he, this one shocked me. They had Nia Jax, who had been building up as this unstoppable monster, just tap to Becky Lynch. Yeah. And say what you will about Nia Jax. I mean, I'm not saying. Um, you know, this is where the count out should have happened. Yes. Yes. They totally screwed up the booking with her and Naomi. Yeah. Like Naomi is someone who they protected and they don't protect Nia Jax. And, and, and and the real funny thing is it's not like they were oblivious to this because they had Nia Jax get her heat back right after by attacking uh, Becky, like right Right. after, which was, 
so odd. It's like, well, if you know you need to keep her over, why do you have her tap? Like the mont, like she's still getting her feet wet in this thing. She's still a new character, and you're having her tap. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand that at all. Yeah. Um. And then Charlotte sort of pinned Alexa out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. And she gave and her like, so a, just, a, yeah, she gave her a boot, right? Yeah, yeah, like just it just kind of came, came out of nowhere. It was when Nia was getting her heat back at the expense of Becky, and so it came down to Charlotte and Bailey against Becky. You know, I, I think I talked about this on our previous show. I'm like, yeah, you know, those, you know, I would like to see Sasha still in there at that point, um, and then maybe Becky pin somebody and then succumb to the odds. Uh, in this instance, though, she just she just lost to the two of them. Becky got the pin, and then Charlotte attacked Becky after the match, or pardon me, Bailey after the match, which clearly signaled that's the direction on the Raw. Uh, brand yeah yeah so it was uh not the ideal match to open the show with that's, no that's i, thought, I sure. thought this match was really bad i i hope i made that clear i i just thought it was really like there was no stories really told until you know it was basically like okay all right well we need to hype charlotte versus bailey and they just didn't even try to do anything else i think there was like some tease tension between becky and alexa bliss which is still the title program on smackdown I mean, uh, at least unlike the tag team that SmackDown, the Raw uh, women's or the SmackDown women's title has a bit of a direction. Uh, but um, th- there just wasn't much going on. There wasn't a ton of heat when the champions squared off, when Charlotte and Becky were in there. Um, you know, even Bailey versus Becky didn't draw a lot of heat. It just, ugh, if, if you go star ratings, this was clearly under two for me. Yeah, well, I think it's tough to even open when you only have, I mean, yeah, when you only have three Survivor Series matches, I think it's tough to open with that style of a match because the audience today is not conditioned to watch a long match in the first place. And then when you put the women's match out there, which had hardly any heat to begin with. Yeah, I thought when I, when this match started the show, I turned to the people I was watching with and I we talked about how questionable. Very questionable match to go on first. I think if you would have done some interesting, and maybe, who knows, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the crowd just wasn't going to buy this match at all or buy it as the opener, but there's some stuff you could have done to get the crowd into it. I just thought it fell apart very early, and they never recovered. There was, um, I think Bailey missed a breakup of a pin at one point. Mm-hmm. I think it was towards the end when it was down to just the three of them, when it was down to her and Charlotte against uh, Becky. And then... There was something. It was right before Nia Jax tapped. They blew a spot, too. I can't remember. It was like a double DDT spear thing. It was botched, too. So this was just an ugly match. Nobody was crisp and hitting their stuff well, I thought, in this. Yeah. And then uh, we went into the IC title match. And uh, I think when we previewed the show last week on the podcast, we talked about how this one had potential to be the match of the night and the weekend. Um although we were pretty certain it was going to be the NXT tag title match. And uh, I thought this one was well below expectations. I don't know what you thought of it, but the finish was pretty lame Yeah, um, with the roll-up. I, I was looking for a lot more because we've been, unlike a lot of fans out there and writers, we've been pretty high on everything The Miz has done this year. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm thinking he's going in there with Sami Zayn, a lot of potential here, and it just didn't really, didn't really click tonight. It definitely was not as good as the Miz Ziggler matches. It was okay. it was good, but it wasn't great. Um, and a lot of it, they were building to something, but the finish really, I thought, took a lot out of what they had done the previous five ten minutes um, down a notch. Yeah. And if if you missed it, they had Zayn had Miz in the figure four. 
Um, and, and was getting good heat. The crowd was into it. And then the bell rang. Zane thought he won, but it was actually Maurice that rang the bell. Of course, they had to do something with ring the bell because they're in Canada. Of course. I'm sure Vince was, Vince was just dancing in the back thinking it was so funny. <laughs> While everyone else was like, really? This shit Wait again. till next year. And, 20 year anniversary. Something's happening. And then, um, you know, right after Miz just rolls them up for the pin. Yeah. I thought it was a weak, weak finishing. Um, I had talked about too on the preview show. I thought that they were going to switch the brand, both titles. They did not, obviously. Neither switched. They both stayed. Um, this is going to be unpopular with a lot of people, me saying this, but I'll stand by this. I, I don't like the way it went down, but I'm totally cool with Miz still being the IC champion and not Zayn. I know yeah. people like love Sammy and are really disappointed that he never gets the big win, even though he beat Owens at Battleground. And ironically, that did nothing for him. But um, they've kind of forgotten about him ever since. But, you know, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I made the case that Miz actually didn't need the Intercontinental title. Zayn needed it more. But maybe I should have seen this coming because I was thinking mid-match. I'm like, you know, kind of sucks. You know, they just put the belt back on Miz and now he's going to lose it. You know, that kind of sucks. But, you know, I should have seen this coming that, uh, you know, why would they just put the belt back on him just to lose like that? You know, to me, it's just like, hey, if they wanted the belt to change brands, why, why wouldn't you just beat Ziggler in that spot then? Yeah. I think I might have even said that on our podcast last Wednesday that, yeah, yeah. that uh, yeah, why put it on him if he's going to lose it Sunday? But I think that's just kind of the whole yeah. theme with this pay-per-view is just that uh, not a lot of consequence even happened. Neither of the titles switched that could have switched. No, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think... Well, the main event certainly will get people talking. I don't know how much it'll matter in the grand scheme of things, but yeah, I don't think this was a terrible show. I just think it was a show that, you know... Um, you're gonna, it was just kind of pointless. Yeah. Because, just, I mean, is Zane getting his heat back at Miz's expense? I mean, how do they tell that story? Yeah. No, I, I was waiting for that match to get restarted. I thought something might happen to get it restarted. I was hoping. Maybe that yeah, was the hopeful side. It should be pointed. They were starting to really hit their stride before the bad finish. I thought yeah. they were I, that, they yeah. were getting there to where like the Miz Ziggler matches had been, and that just killed it dead. Uh, should be pointed out by the way, Miz. Not saying he's better than Ric Flair by any means. Would never say oh, that. God, here we go. <laughs> when, he, when he does the figure four, unlike Rick. He puts it on the straight leg. Rick never did that right when he did the figure four. Yeah. Whenever he did it, he, he, would, he would work the knee, but then he wouldn't, you know, put the pressure on the, right, the knee he'd been working the whole time. Just a <laughs> minor nitpick there. Miz did it. It's, it's supposed to be the straight leg. You're supposed to work on the leg, the knee, and then the straight leg is the one uh, that you're working on, the figure four works on. Miz knows that. <laughs> Real That's ring true. tactician. Yeah. Ring general, the Miz. Yes. Yeah. I thought this was like I thought this was like a three and a half star affair. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, it was uh it could have been good. And that finish just yeah, it was completely out of nowhere. And uh I was just something kinda I was stunned just like in the main event. I'm waiting like uh is this gonna be restarted? What's going on here? No. Yeah, um something that we need to talk about is the announcing tonight. The announcing oh, the, they went with four man revolving announce booth. What a mess. With no rhyme or reason to who was doing it. So the opener, you had JBL, Morrow, Corey Graves, and Byron Saxton. 
for the IC title, you had JB, Cole, Damon Otunga, and Byron Saxton. Uh, Michael Cole clearly was something improving. He had a lot of stats tonight. Did you notice that? I don't know if he was trying to like seem like he was smarter than Moro or not, but he was busting on a lot of Survivor Series history. <laughs> He had his index like, cards. He was ready to go. Yeah, he was like, did you know the Ultimate Warrior was 3-0 and in elimination matches? He, he had a lot of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, that I, stuff. yeah, I didn't notice at the time, but looking back, yeah, I can see that. I, I have something to ask you. I don't know if you've noticed this ever, but like um, Meltzer and Alvarez have this real hard-on for uh, Miz ripping off the Daniel Bryan spots. Uh, yeah. This is something that you like you're even aware of. Like they constantly bitch about him. They're like, he does those kicks like so bad. And I think they like aren't missing the irony. I think they're missing the irony of the spot that like that's kind of the point. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's not supposed to be like he's just mocking Daniel Bryan. He's not trying to be like that's the whole point of the Miz. <laughs> they they did do that kind of storyline <laughs> on the uh, after show like, for a while. Like, yeah, yeah, like the whole thing, like I like. It, the point is that he's not as good a wrestler as Daniel Bryan was, but he's just mocking his spots. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm i kind of surprised. Alvarez, I'm not really surprised that he's missing the point, but Dave, I'm a little surprised. <laughs> like, because he keeps writing, he's like, well, his kicks, his Daniel Bryan pressure was a little better, but the kicks aren't still as good as Bryan was. It's like, Dave. That's the point. <laughs> he's trying to draw heat by mocking the man's moves. He's not trying to, like, pay tribute to the man. Yeah. Dave. <laughs> You think of all people. Yeah, no. I just I don't know what he what are, what is he I think cuz like they were kind of the last people on board with the Miz bandwagon. And mm. I mean not everyone's on board yet, but they I mean we're not the only two on it by any means. No. Like cuz they like they were they've always been the most critical of them. I think they're like trying to like cling to any anything they can. <laughs> well, Alvarez has used the term geek and Miz simultaneously for many years. Not a fan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um but uh, yeah, and then the tag team match, which we already talked about, they, the announcers were Moro, Corey Graves, Otunga, and Byron Saxton. So again, it was a, it was a different lineup every time. Yeah. And do you know what that? Do you want know to shows to me, Ryan? What? How pointless every individual announcer is. <laughs> They're all interchangeable. They're all. Yeah, uh... and, and WWE is basically like it doesn't care. We're just going to put four. We're just, we've got these guys. We've got six announcers on our two shows. We're going to put any combination of the four on there. Here's which combination of the four it is. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know. I think it's kind of speaks to, you know, just kind of how we're, it was definitely noticeable when Corey Graves was on it. He's the only one worth a damn anymore of the six, like no offense to Morrow. I know everyone, a lot of people love Morrow. Um, and, and, you know, certainly if you, if you love him, he'll, he'll retweet you. I know that, but, uh, he, he's regressed badly. Oh man. I Morrow has been neutered. Play. He has been neutered. Yeah. He's been, he's been neutered, but like, um, it was funny. Even when he like started, kicked off the show, it seemed like he'd taken a Soma or something like that. You know, he like, wasn't like even excited. I was like, Jesus, Morrow did like, they just, like, did Vince just berate you over the headset when this started? I mean, it was, um, yeah, he's just. He hasn't been good recently, and I don't know if it's his fault or whoever's producing him's fault. But yeah, he's he's uh, he's not what uh, you know we were hoping for. I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. I I would think it's a production issue or something. He's been encouraged to some things he's been encouraged not to do in WWE land. Well, he Uh, still gets all those New Japan references in. Yeah, that's true. They haven't stopped him from doing that. Um, Yeah, he loves his references. 
and his jokes. Oh, do you know what? Like, here's what I don't know. Maybe I just have a weird sense of humor. People were like, he like there were like three people on the Twitter feed who was like, oh man, I just love that. It's an up whatever that thing he says about uppercuts, like an uppercut party don't stop or whatever that line is. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like he's like, yeah. oh, an uppercut party, you know, it's an uppercut. I don't know, I could look it up or whatever. People know the reference. Yeah. He says it all the time. Like three people tweeted him during the show. It's like, I just love when Mauro Ranola says that. <laughs> like, what? It just gets me going. Yeah, like what? It's like not funny at all, really. It's like kind of horrible. Yeah. Like you talk about like how desperate are you for a retweet, you know, that you would yeah. do. Oh man. Well, I'm sure there'll be hundreds of them before midnight tonight. I mean, I'm not claiming to be any Twitter expert or that I get over, but I mean it's like Jesus. It's like I mean, if I'm <laughs> saying that's funny, I mean, yeah. Tell me now. So the next match was the the tag team elimination match. We already talked about that. All right. Uh, then we had the cruiserweight title match, Kendrick and Kalisto. Wow, how the cruiserweight division has fallen. Um, I'm going to admit, at this point, I started flipping back and forth between Survivor Series and a college basketball game. I saw the Panthers lost tonight, by the way. I checked. They did. I was, I was watching the Northern Iowa Xavier game, but they have a rematch in six days. Oh, I was... And- uh- they already scheduled a home and home series this year and next. And so the fact that they were playing each other in this tournament tonight was pretty crazy because they're each other's. This was the one in Orlando at the oh. uh, yeah, ESPN Disney World thing. But uh, hey, Northern Iowa, they beat Arizona State, absolutely destroyed them, and then uh, beat Oklahoma, another big win. It would have been nice to get Xavier because I think if we could have beat them, we'd be knocking on the top 25, but maybe we can get them later this week. So, I was. I was right by Xavier University at the start of today, believe it or not. Well, you need to drive down there for the game this weekend. You watch your you and I Panthers in person. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I was, uh, I was, yeah, I was right. Xavier was a real stone's throw. We were about two exits away from the campus. Nice. This morning. Yeah. They're a good squad. So, yeah, it was, that was a close game, though. Like when I was, when I was flipping back and forth with that and the cruiserweight match, it was within a few points. And, uh, Cruiserweight match. I mean, it was okay. It wasn't yeah. bad. Um, there's some. There's some pretty cool spots in it. There was um, two great spots in this match. Yes, the Spanish fly spot off the yes. apron was awesome. Um, was that what, the first Spanish fly in WWE history? I I don't remember. I can't remember seeing a Spanish fly before on a WWE show. No, that was that was sick. I I, I had to yell at my wife to come watch that move. Yeah, it was definitely the best Spanish fly on WWE television I've ever seen before. Yeah, off the apron to the floor. That was great. And then Kendrick had a good spot of his own with the, the, the uh, captain's hook off the top rope. I kind of like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you, you know, you kind of hit on it earlier. Um, I don't think you were the only one who didn't care. I think most people in Toronto in the audience did not care. Uh, a couple things worked against this match. Number one, um, you know, the cruiserweight, the, the presentation has not been good since they've been brought to the main roster. It just has not. I'm sorry, sports fans, it hasn't. Uh, and number two, once the Intercontinental title didn't change, you knew this one wasn't going to change. And I guess if the Intercontinental had changed, you would have just assumed this one would have changed. So this yeah. was kind of put in an unfortunate spot. I, I actually would have put this on before the Intercontinental just because even if you switched the title or didn't switch the title here, the Intercontinental would have gotten over more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this was just kind of in a 
you know, in, in a bad spot. It, it came off the hot sequence with Cesaro and Sheamus against the Usos. Um, only Morrow and uh, Corey Graves called this a little preview of 205 Live. And then the finish did not help things at all. With Baron Corbin, my boy, returning <laughs> to attack Kalisto, a little continuity that feud must continue. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that's a feud that um, you know people want to continue, but it is. Um, and I have a question. So they they took Corbin off this team, right? The SmackDown team because he wasn't healthy. Yeah, sure looked healthy tonight. Why would you not sub him back on the team then? <laughs> I mean, I'm being nitpicky, but, you know, it was kind of weird. Like, I mean, really, like the whole execution of that knee injury was so clumsy anyway. Mm -hmm. And then like here, he just comes out looking like a monster. And it's like, okay, so like, why did you even announce him for the team? Yeah, they should just announce Shane from the start. Like it was just unless if they're going somewhere with that. I don't know. They're kind of they teased a little tension afterwards with Corbin and Brian again, which I liked. But um, yeah, I don't know. The finish was terrible. Really you have to admit the finish was terrible. Awful. Oh, it was awful. Yeah, I mean, a non-finish? Yeah. And they'd kind of given these guys some time, too, for that finish. It was just, like, bad. A, so, like, it was at this point that people complained. They're like, oh, God, SmackDown didn't win again. But, like, Kendrick didn't come off looking good. And he has, like, it's funny. They, they had him beat TJ Perkins. And since then, I don't think he's won. Yeah. You know, it's wrong is like, guy to be holding the title. We've talked yeah, about this, that at length. Yeah, this isn't the title match that I think a lot of people wanted. Um, Kendrick's just not the right call as a champion. It should be. It should be somebody new. It should be Rich Swan, quite frankly. It should be the champion. Yeah, the TJ division. Yeah, the division. Not the right call to win. By far, needs a huge restart, a huge kick in the pants, and hopefully, hopefully, this new show does something for him because uh, it is dying a brutal death right now. It's just time filler on a three-hour show on Raw, so hopefully um, they can get over a little bit on two of five live. Like I said, I wouldn't have minded if they would have switched the two belts tonight, and you know the cruiserweights I think could have had a little bit more life yeah. on SmackDown, but who knows? Not to be. Yeah. So yeah, that was that was a downer. <laughs> the show was kind of on a slide at this point, um, and then we went into the Team SmackDown, Team Raw, the the men's single match, and all right. We've been talking about the announcing on the show and how it was a mess. The one thing I wanted to make sure I mentioned about this match before oh. I forget is there was an awesome spot early in the match when Jericho, who's been great now for the last several months, was screaming at Dean Ambrose, you owe me $15,000. You owe me $15,000. Obviously referring back to when his light-up jacket got ripped apart by Dean Ambrose. And not a single one of the announcers mentioned anything about it. I was waiting and waiting and waiting. None of them picked up on this. They're so scripted that I think Jericho was just going off the cuff like that. Like nobody even didn't ring a bell to anybody. I hate when they don't do things like that, when they don't pick up on And you're right. It's because they're scripted and Jericho was just probably saying it for the hell of it. Um, it was an awesome you know, line. Not, it was awesome. Yeah. Great, great moment. And by the way, you have four announcers and not one of them picked up on it. Was Corey Graves doing this? He was. Oh, I'm yeah. disappointed in Corey for not picking up on that. Yeah. But to his credit, wasn't he still doing NXT at that time? Yeah. Yeah. He so. Was. But yeah, but you know, I bet you he's a pro. He he does his homework. He watches all the programming. He knew that. Um, Jericho got a big pop coming out for this match. We should oh, talk. yeah. Huge. It's very clear that he's going to be really over as a baby face when they do the eventual split between him and Owens. 
that that is, I'm telling you, man, people have every right to criticize how much Jericho has declined in the ring. But as a character, man, he's still really over. And that feud is, is going to be great with Kevin Owens. Yeah, it's I'm looking be, forward to it. It's going to work as a feud. It is going to work so much better than Owens Roman Reigns, which is the plan for Roadblock. So, so much forced. better. So forced. Nobody cares at all about them. It's just kind of like, it was just thrown out there. And here's something too. I was expecting to get something uh, to lead to that match tonight. We got nothing. No. No, I mean, not one thing. I mean, there was no interaction. So, um, you know, they still have a little bit of time to do something. You know, what was there like four weeks, I think, between now and Roadblock? I know there's only two between now and TLC. But um, yeah, they got to shoot something quick to get people to care. Um, and I don't know what that's going to be. So I guess that's what to watch for in the Raw brand. Kyle, this this pay-per-view schedule is going to be the death of us. Every two weeks we're doing a pay-per-view show. My God, so much product. Yeah, you know. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't want to be like most people like complain. Oh, you know, I got to watch this pro wrestling show. It's like the issue is like if they were better, I think it would be fine. If they were all like NXT TakeOver last night, I'd be down. Yeah, yeah. But it's tough. I mean, they're all they can't all be. But, um, you know, just give me something to talk about, I guess, and I'll be happy. Uh, so, yeah, the men's match here. My notes. Here's a big storyline to talk about. And I don't know if you picked up on this or would. And if you did, if you'd agree. The stuff with the shield, save for the when the three of them got back together towards the end and did the powerbomb spot on AJ, mm-hmm. I thought did not get over at all. Like, did you notice that? Like, the sheet, like, when it was like, there was a spot when I think it was four on two and Roman, and, it was just Roman and Seth were the only guys left for Raw and they looked at each other mm-hmm. to do the whole, yeah, it's just us, like old yeah. time's sake. Nobody gave a damn about that nobody gave a damn when it was versus dean early on uh wow I, that that was uh something i think is certainly worth noting no the little subtle teases didn't get anyone into it the the biggest tease that the crowd reacted to was early when you were going to have um seth and aj and then uh aj tagged out and crowd was ready to see that wrestle. That was right at the beginning of the match. Of course, of course, later in the match they they went at it. But yeah, the little the little teases didn't work so well with the shield. Although they did pop for the little reunion at the end. Yeah, they did. And I'll say it again, man, did they break them up too soon? Yeah, yeah. You know, they were so much better as a group than they've been individually. So much better. All except, uh. Yeah, definitely Ambrose and Reigns. I'm not sure on Rollins. Rollins has been not not lately, but uh, like last year, he's he's been well, pretty yeah, good as soon. the champion, but still, I don't know, man. Like, I just think like it was way too soon in retrospect that they screwed that up. Like, because people didn't want them to break up. No, yeah, you're and right. Was, like, you know, like they did it to try to do like this, get this huge heat for Rollins, but like the heat was more like on the promotion for breaking them up than on Rollins, yeah. I, I thought. Yeah. Um, so, you know who was the early star of this match? And I don't give a damn what you say. <laughs> who? Braun Strowman. Oh, man. I thought he he was booked perfectly. I mean, yeah. you know, not a great worker. I think he was booked well. I'll agree. 
but you know, he got the first elimination. He pinned Ambrose because they so they did tease Styles and Ambrose not getting along because they're gonna be working um at TLC against each other, obviously. So Styles kind of turned on Ambrose and Braun pinned him. And um, you know, one subtle tease they did do that got over was Braun and Bray. I thought that drew a bigger reaction than Shane and Dean or uh, uh, Seth and Dean. Maybe that yeah. was just my ears. I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe Bray Wyatt's not as dead in the water as we he, thought he was. Yeah, well, or or maybe it's just because that's something we haven't seen before. Like we've seen Seth and Dean like wrestle a lot. Yeah, through yeah. the years. Yeah, so it's not like that was special. It's like, oh wow, Seth and Dean are gonna go at it. It's like, dude, we've seen this a million times. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- the way they got rid of Bray, or uh, pardon me, Braun, I thought was pretty creative with Ellsworth holding on to the leg outside the ring. He got counted out. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about how they didn't protect Nia Jax. They protected Braun properly here, and he chucked Ellsworth off the stage. Good use of Ellsworth. Good <laughs> use of Braun. Good use of Ellsworth. Just let him go flying through the air. Yeah. Um, you know who got way too much offense in this match? Huh, who do I think you would say here? Um, Shane, probably. Yep. Yeah. Shane was just out of place. His I, punches. I, oh, God. So bad. Worst worked punches in the history of pro wrestling. Who is the only person who has worse worked punches than Shane McMahon? I'll give you a clue. He's another very part time performer. I'll give you a second clue. His last name is also McMahon. <laughs> well, yeah, Vince, but. Yeah, and it's not Dana Linda. Pretty, That's my third with that. And Dana, it's not Cena's punches are pretty awful. Cena's in the running. Yeah, and like at one point, one of the announcers is like, oh, you know, Shane's really been doing a lot of working on his striking. I'm like, good Lord, who is this brown noser? <laughs> yeah, it was probably pretty brutal. Yeah, I think it was Otunga. Of course it was. Uh, but y- y- Shane got a lot of offense here. Uh, as much as Jericho, as much as I like yeah. his character, we talked about his ring work declining. The Jericho-Shane segment kind of slowed this thing down a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, now, compared to the women's and tag team, they were letting uh, all the individual segments breathe in this match, and it was good. This match, I think, went 52 minutes, which yeah. is one of the longest WWE matches in history. Um. Kevin Owens, what a weird night this was for him. The Universal Champion just DQ'd. Yeah, randomly yeah, in the match. Huge reaction from the crowd too. Yeah, and when he got DQ'd, the crowd didn't like that because he had not done much in the match up until that point. Yeah, I was stunned how early he went out. Like I thought, like him and Jericho, they do a lot more with them, but it was very clear that they wanted to baby face the raw side with Seth and Roman. So they cleared the deck and had KO and Jericho eliminated. Uh, and the crowd did not like either of those guys going out so soon. Yeah. Cause they kind of went, they went out both middle of the match. I think back to back, they were eliminations. Uh, Owens was disqualified and then Orton RKO Jericho, uh, which left it four on two Roman and Seth against uh, AJ Shane Orton and Bray. Um, and uh, what do I have in my notes here? I hand wrote my notes, by the way, and my handwriting is atrocious. I need to. I can <laughs> we see are on a I webcam here. You should you should show us the notes for all of you watching the show. Let's let's see what this looks like. Go ahead, Kyle. Here's, uh, let's see here. 
There we go. Uh, that is that is pretty sloppy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty sloppy. Um, I need I you to actually, Kyle. While we're out of here, can you position your cam down a little bit? We we need to see your smiling face a little better, and your and your T-shirt. Oh, well, we're not going to see it. Well, this is not a political broadcast. <laughs> we're not see my T-shirt. Um, there you go. That's better. Okay, sorry, I was moving all around. Oh, this is what I, I wrote down: Jake the Snake next to Roman and Seth because remember we had talked about in those like that one of those first Survivor Series how Jake the Snake got over huge like when he was the only baby face left on his side and like the crowd totally bought him even though it's like obviously he wasn't going to go over yeah I thought Seth and Roman were the complete opposite of that in this match I thought like <laughs> they looked at each other like yeah let's do this and the crowd was like we hope you don't yeah, <laughs> yeah it was... Did you notice the crowd like it, it's kind of funny because we joked about what is this show all about? Mm-hmm. You know, like what's the purpose of this Survivor Series, these elimination matches? There was definitely, you know, Twitter's not, I don't think, the most accurate representation of the wrestling fan base because it's just so skewed. Yeah. But there was like people in the audience legitimately chanting for SmackDown. Yeah. Which was, which was kind of funny. Like I thought that like, you know, Raw almost kind of came off as the heel brand and when it was Seth and Roman, they, you know, creative clearly wanted them to be the face side. And, um, you know, it was kind of a rejection a yeah. little bit there. Yeah. Um, so, um, the spot of this match, I, I wanted to make sure we mention what, what, for you, what, what do you think I'm going to say? Best spot in the match. I'll give you a clue out of the corner. A guy we haven't Shane talked about. Drop? No. Oh God. No, we could talk about oh. that though. Okay. So Shane did his patented elbow from from the corner to the outside through the table. Who's that on again? It was on Braun. That's right. Oh, that's yes, I have here. Shane got his old glory hog spot on oh, Braun. Yeah. Oh, the spot of the match was Shane uh, getting concussed by Roman Reigns. <laughs> yeah, that was. Oh my god, that I was insane. That. That's terrible. Because I hope the man's all right. Because <laughs> I just tech, I just like written to a bunch of buddies on Facebook. I'm like, will somebody get rid of Shane McMahon? It's kind of pissing me off. And then that happened. Yeah, they got rid of him, all right. They had to pick him up on a spatula. <laughs> what was the best spot in this match? I'm trying to the RKO to Rollins oh, yes. out of the frog splash. That was awesome. Yes. And that, that was, was not awesome. the first time we'd seen a great RKO executed on Seth Rollins. Oh. Remember WrestleMania yeah, last year? Yeah, which according to those guys, that that was the first time they ever tried it. They didn't even practice it. Wow. Yeah. So that was, I thought that was awesome. That was a move of the night to me. Um, but yeah, that the Shane, Shane coming off the corner and getting speared midair. That was, were you surprised that he kicked out or he kind of kicked out? He had like the oh, shoulder up. Well, oh, the, well, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I think he was out and he instinctively kicked out and he screwed up. Yeah. Because he, that was clearly, I mean, if you didn't see it, Shane went for the Van Terminator, which he's done before, but uh, he was going to do it on Reigns, but Reigns got up and speared the hell out of him mm-hmm. midair. I mean, hard. And that was clearly the finish to get rid of Shane. Yeah. And Shane kicked out at two, and the crowd was confused. <laughs> Shane was clearly concussed or confused and, and just instinctively kicked out, and they just... The ref just rolled, but he's like, "Hey, you're out anyway." Yeah, they just rang the bell, and like he's been eliminated. Yeah, yeah, and like knockout or what? But yeah, you know, I hate saying in the old days because I think I've said it 
three times now on the show, and it makes me sound old, and it makes me sound also unsympathetic. Because if he really was concussed, then, then he's immediately got to get out of the match. That's just the reality of, in 2016. You can't, you know, protect kayfabe and have him, like, take another move. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if he's concussed, that's really wrong. But, God, I, I just wish they could have covered for that a little bit better. Yeah. I just wish Shane wouldn't have kicked out, I guess. But, yeah, and then, then the next elimination was... Um, no, it wasn't. Then we should talk about the, the, the next elimination after Shane was AJ, actually. When, the, when Ambrose came back out, they did the three-way shield reunion, powerbombed him through the table, and who pinned him? I can't remember. Did Seth pin him, I think? Pinned uh, Ambrose? No, AJ. Oh, AJ. Uh, I think, yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter. Either Seth yeah. or Roman pinned AJ. Yeah. Corey Graves, by the way, gets two points for referencing the old AJ Roman matches pre-built brand split. God bless Corey Graves. Um, <laughs> Dean, here's another thing. When he came, when he came out, so we're backtracking a little bit. This is before that RKO on the frog splash, but Dean came out to get his heat back against AJ for turning on him and eliminating him. He was not the baby face to that crowd, even though he was no. dying to be. Did you notice that the crowd was chanting stupid idiot at him? Yeah. Which was not the desired reaction, I'm assuming. Yeah. AJ, man, I'm telling you what. And, you know, eventually they're going to have him work taker, I bet, at the maybe the Rumble. Didn't we? We had talked about that mm-hmm. last week, right? Yeah. That'll get him in the heel role finally. But, man, they just, the crowd just cheers him no matter what. Yeah. People love him. He's, yeah, yeah he's ready to, It'll be interesting. Ready to turn. It'll be interesting at TLC. Because no one's going to buy Ambrose as having a shot in that match. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see um, how the crowd reacts, especially if they do what some people are calling for and having James Ellsworth turn on Ambrose there. Yeah. Is that going to draw, like, is James Ellsworth's heel turn going to draw a huge face reaction? <laughs> That's what's going to get the people on Dean's side. James Ellsworth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, after that, yeah, the crowd was cheering SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. Once it comes on a Roman Reigns against the uh, Orton and Wyatt, the crowd started chanting SmackDown live. <laughs> Roman Vince Reigns was this just, guy just cannot stopping around Reigns. backstage at this point. You know he was. Yeah, yeah. Roman, I'm telling you, he was. We, we should point it out. It wasn't as bad as it's been some nights, but he was. This crowd treated him like the top heel mm-hmm. uh, in the promotion, and yeah. then the Wyatts win, which was a little bit of a surprise. But like we said, we kind of were figuring Raw was going to win here. Mm-hmm. Or pardon me, SmackDown was going to win here. So, yeah. And I was like, God, are they going to put the Wyatts over? But yeah, I was shocked. And Luke Harper made an appearance and they stood tall. Where do you go with the Wyatts from here? Because obviously them winning needs to mean something. Well, I think you got to say it was a massive surprise that they won. <laughs> First okay, of all, well. if you look how they've been booked for the last couple of months. Uh I guess something with Orton still, just judging by the, the finish. Mm-hmm. I but like. I don't, I don't really know the the options are so limited. I actually like how they're gonna keep going with the Orton thing, because if it was just a real short term thing, what a pointless thing. Because like no one bought it, right? Mm-hmm. But they've got to go all the way with this and get people to buy it, and then have them turn. Yeah. So. Um, I, I kind of respect that they're sticking to it, not just making this a completely pointless, like four week thing that no one buys. And then when he like reveals it's a ruse, everyone's like, oh, wow, gee, I didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. 
But, um, you know, this way, maybe they can get some doubt. People are yeah. like, oh, wow, you know, maybe I think they're going to be fodder for like Undertaker Kane or something like that, which yeah. I don't like. Let's hope not. You know what I'm saying? Because like Kane still has that issue with them. Yeah. Um, you know, Undertaker, I can maybe see. I don't know. Like, I feel Wyatt's jobbed a lot to the Undertaker. Didn't that was last year's Survivor Series? Wasn't there some tag match that Wyatt jobbed to him? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that, that was that last year or was that two years? I can't remember. It was either last year or two years ago. Um, yeah. Regardless. Yeah, it was, it was one of the many wasted opportunities with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we had Goldberg and Lesnar. Yeah, so that was the show. Um, I wouldn't call it a bad show. I wouldn't call it a good show. I'd give it the thumbs it in the middle. The <laughs> it was it was the show. Uh, compared uh, compared with Takeover, though. Man, they they were never going to live up to what Takeover did the night before, but that crowd was just crazy. And the night, the crowd tonight, pretty reserved. So, yeah, if you haven't seen Takeover, go back and watch it. Awesome show, top to bottom, two and a half hours. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, Takeover just has that advantage of, you know, it being the culmination of several months worth of storylines where the creative, and you know, NXT has not been as good, I think certainly in the last several months as it had been before. But, you know, I just think that wrestling always works that way. Like when you have several, when you have got like, you know, five matches where you've been building to them for months on end, they're fresh matchups. That's huge too. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, on Raw, you know, like are these paper, the Raw and SmackDown only pay-per-views, a lot of times you've already seen the matches on TV. Yeah. At least the undercard matches. So you don't really care. You're like, oh, I've already seen this. Yeah. Um, you know, with TakeOver, they protect it and save those matches. Yeah. So let's mention here. I know you say you haven't seen the show yet, but let's close. Let's talk about the finish with uh, Joe going over Nakamura. Okay. So massive surprise, I think, to everyone watching. We did a poll on our Top Row Press Twitter account, and uh, I think 93% of people before the match said Nakamura would win, which is like, we never do a poll. Like it's 93% of anything. So yeah, when Joe won the match, um, all the rumors started online. Does this mean Shinsuke is headed to the main roster now? Um, I wouldn't think so because I think they, they still need him to sell tickets. I think you're probably looking at another Nakamura Joe match, even though they've had matches. Um, but I was shocked, really shocked that Nakamura lost the belt. Um, so yeah I don't know we'll see where they go with that but uh, yeah, yeah that was the shock, most shocking moment of the weekend yeah, I don't know if it was more shocking than that main event tonight well that's true that's true okay, but but I guess I just didn't really care much about that match okay well you know I, I think that Joe for whatever reason is just not going to the main roster I thought I thought going in this was his swan song in yeah. NXT it seemed but, like it yeah for Nakamura he's got to I think. Um, I don't know if it's immediately, but you know, I don't think you run a third straight takeover with Nakamura Joe, do you? No, they could. I mean, they could do a, but they could do a I television maybe, match. I, I could see him. I could see him switching the title back, even at a house show. They've done that before, but maybe on, on a big TV match since the TV's been kind of stale. Um, in January, and then Joe debuts in the Royal Rumble. I still think I still feel like Joe is going to debut on the main roster before Nakamura. 
just because NXT needs Nakamura more than they need Samoa Joe. Yeah, I'll tell you what, not you know, I hate to be this guy. I don't know. You think Nakamura is the better choice to carry the brand than Joe? But I'll tell you what, some of these NXT crowds have been pretty sparse recently. I don't know what that reason is. Like, you know, they didn't sell out New York um, mm-hmm. earlier in the week. Yeah. I mean, what do you make of that? I was shocked. Okay, they were at I mean, the theater, theater at Madison Square Garden, not quite all the way full. I, I heard that they had to uh, move people down from the cheap seats to fill in the lower yeah. sections. I mean, well, th- that headline with a six man, right? It was with DIY and uh, Revival. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, you know, and they didn't announce, they didn't really announce a full card for it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be interesting to see if maybe they do that next time. But yeah, I, I don't know. NXT seems to, although, you know, and I can't comment on the show because I haven't watched it. And so I don't want to just, I mean, but by all accounts, it was very good for what you've said and what I'd read. It was very good. But, um, you know, it, it hadn't, um, you know, in the weeks leading up to this, this uh, show Saturday night, it, it wasn't setting the world on fire, it seemed. No, that's that's what made know, the show. What problem was yeah. It just it just shows you when NXT is firing all on all cylinders, though. Uh, it's still pretty special, even with a kind of a decimated roster right now. Um, they still put they still got the hardcore fans behind that product, and uh, yeah, maybe Nakamura's not selling as many tickets as say Balor when he was on the top of the cart, or maybe it's because the roster was so much more stacked back then than it is. And, and Bailey, don't forget about the loss of Bailey. Bailey yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. So it's uh, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I want to see Nakamura on the main roster before Joe personally. I just feel like um, they think they need Nakamura down there more than Joe. If, if one of them's got to, is going to go to the main roster. I think they feel they're in a better spot with Shinsuke down there leading the charge i don't think nakamura should have been in nxt longer than a month or two though personally no, guys he, yeah realistically he didn't need to be in there at all no i mean maybe just to learn the wwe's quote-unquote style i guess it, it's helpful and, and i think he's spoken highly of the experience so mm-hmm. um I mean, certainly he's not going to speak poorly of it but um at least publicly but and he has no reason to speak poorly of it but um i don't know i think he's gonna i think he's gonna beat joe to the main roster and Bobby Roode, who is awesome and glorious, of course, uh, he looks like he's on his way to a, a main event feud here, too. So maybe he'll yeah, be the I mean, guy in want... when someone else goes up. He's another guy who probably could just go to the main roster sooner than later. Yeah. And, and I thought for sure, now that you mentioned it, that Nakamura versus Bobby Roode would be your big feud, maybe for the WrestleMania weekend takeover. Yeah, we talked about that last week on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we go. But, uh, yeah, I think NXT is going to have some steam behind them again for the first time in a couple months now after this weekend because it was quite the show. Um, I do want to say we do have to do this drawing we've been pumping on our oh, social right. media. So uh, thanks to the people at 2K Sports UK, actually. Um we were hooked up with some copies of the new WWE 2K17 video game for the Xbox One this time. Maybe we'll get some PS4 ones in the future. Um, so basically the rules were you needed to uh, go on to iTunes, look up Top Rope Nation, subscribe, leave us a rating, and send us a screenshot. And so I have all the people who sent us proof that they had entered. 
in this trusty top rope nation podcast coffee mug that you see here kyle plug. there you go yeah. you get these on our uh, shop at uh spreadshirt.com if you go to topropepress.com there's a link for merchandise and you'll find this I'm this nice coffee mug i am i'm sure that uh they'll probably be having a black friday sale this week so uh check that out but inside we've got different names as you can see so i'm gonna swirl these around here and pick out a winner and whoever i choose here is getting a 60 dollars video game for free all right Generous people we are the winner is at Derek Oversell. So Derek will be contacting you, getting your information. We'll be sending you a free copy of WWE 2K17. So wow. look out for that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so with that said, Kyle, anything else you got in closing? No, I don't think so. All right. Well, we'll wait and see. I, I suppose with the show and what they do with Goldberg, I think that's I think the legacy of Survivor Series 2016 is tied to what they do with Goldberg from here. Yeah, shocking finish, that's for sure. All right, so hey, it's been fun. Thanks for all of you that tuned in and those of you that are watching on demand on YouTube. Uh, we'll do it again. Um, as always, you can check the show out. Our podcasts weekly, usually in the middle of the week. They're available at topropepress.com, iTunes pod bean just look up top rope nation and uh also wanted to mention we do have a store on pro wrestling tees and pro wrestling tees has a 20 percent off sale uh starting this week actually it might be tomorrow it's monday or tuesday i have a black friday sale so if we have a pretty uh good looking t-shirt on pro wrestling tees for the podcast it's got that logo you see there on the coffee mug on a gray shirt so if you've been looking to get one of those shirts and support our show this is the perfect time 20 percent off so with that being said i am ryan drostig toprowpress.com he's kyle ross and we will catch you guys next time thanks